0: Good morning. Saturday is a very important day for the city of Vancouver and the province of British Columbia because there will be for overnight a vacancy for a particular job. In classified terms, help is wanted. The mayor of a metropolitan city, experience preferred but not essential.
1: There are five days left until the Vancouver municipal elections. This is the Canby Report. I'm Matthew Naylor. I'm Patrick Meehan. I'm Ian Bushfield. Holy crap, everybody. We're in the final week. Advanced voting has
0: concluded.
2: It uh, concludes on nope. pot day, Wednesday.
0: Yeah, events voting okay. in the city of Vancouver concludes on Wednesday, but different cities have different events polling days. So always go and look at your, your own city, municipality, district, township, what have you not, village, and check to see what your actual events voting options are. I voted already.
1: I voted on Sunday. I wasn't planning on it, but I went with my boyfriend to go vote, and was there, and because I was standing around, I kept getting asked by election workers have you voted yet? Would you like to vote? And eventually I just caved and, and went and filled out the ballot according to the uh, the endorsements that I posted on my Facebook and on the Canby Report Facebook. Yep.
0: And if you are, you know, if you're at work tomorrow or any time this week, make sure you remind all of your coworkers, friends, family to vote. Early indications seem to be that voter turnout in Vancouver is significantly down from previous election. In the twenty fourteen election, uh, in the advanced polling days, we had thirty eight thousand votes cast. So far we're at eighteen thousand.
1: I mean, like and this might be a bad sign, but it also might not be. There is yeah, you were some, saying, yeah. There is some like considerable evidence to suggest that there isn't a strong correlation between the number of people who vote in advance polls and the actual turnout numbers in general. Mm-hmm. However...
0: It's not a good sign. It's
1: not, it's not a good sign, and also, like I, I can understand there being a number of reasons, including less, less money spent and way too many candidates... Yeah, the the
0: uh, less money spent is the interesting one. Everyone's talking about how, you know, in the last election, you had Vision Vancouver spending a couple million dollars on essentially getting out their vote. You had the NPA spend a million dollars getting out their vote. Well, the NPA, I guess, are spending a million dollars this time, too. That's what they (laughs) raised. Exactly. (laughs) And so the belief is that there's so much less money frothing around to help people vote. Although I I, I question that one just because of how many more parties there are. I would assume that that would get more out there. It also, didn't...
2: remember when you get into the polls to flip your ballot over. It is so long they couldn't fit everything on one side. This also, guy's... fill out all the you sections. You have
0: scantrons that are two-sided? Apparently. That's cool.
2: Also, they don't really need to scan the backside. Those three questions are pretty easy to do by hand. Or... They're not as <laughs> urgent. They'll probably just go, yeah, all the mm-hmm. spending I'm... initiatives passed anyway.
0: The... Uh... <laughs> Well, hope, uh, hopefully, yeah. The other one that you said there, Matthew, that's interesting is the, the number of candidates on the ballot. And Michael Geller, who's a local angry architect, was talking about trying to raise the bar for how you can run. Now, he suggested, and I think we're all a little leery on this one, he suggested increasing the deposit, uh, which would, I think, create a financial barrier to running, which I'm not a big fan of. But the other one I've heard is raising the number of signatures you need in order to be able to run.
1: Well, the fact that it is easier to run for Vancouver City Council than it is to run for executive of the ubc student society is incorrect i think that should be changed and like what, what we were thinking 25 signatures i think which, that's what it is right now so 25 signatures which you can get if you spend a half an hour accident.
0: you could get that if you spend a half an hour at front of urban fair at, a, at 4 p.m
1: like it should be a little bit of work
0: well and we are asking you know the lowest elected counselor in the last election pulled fifty-six thousand votes And so if you're expected, if you want to run for council and you want to have any kind of a shot at winning, uh, you need to be able to get 56,000 votes according to the benchmark of the last election. Asking for you to get more than 25 signatures seems reasonable to me.
1: Yeah, like like maybe 5% of the expected vote total. So 250, 500,
0: something. I mean, 250 means you actually spend a little bit more time... Yeah, doing it, sh- the it should be
1: strenuous, it should be it should be more than something you can do on a lark. As much as we love our lark candidates. Mhm. And speaking of pro Vancouver. No, it's a hawk and a dove. Mm-hmm.
2: Oh no, it's not pro Vancouver who's in the news for melting down this week. It's Vancouver first.
1: Oh, one the of the liberta- other ones. The libertarian personality cult. <laughs> so, tell us what has Fred Harding been up to.
2: So he had one video go a little viral because it looked like he was shot in some He's
0: a spaceship sp-
2: spaceship penthouse <laughs> talking about who Fred Harding is. And everyone's like, okay, this is some weird James Bond knockoff guy running for mayor. But then he released a much cheaper, poorer filmed video where he espouses how few parents have been consulted on all this sexual orientation and gender identity curriculum they're bringing into the schools and... Shouldn't we be talking to parents before we do this? Which is all a lot of dog whistling to...
1: Bigots? Yeah.
0: Yes.
2: We're all on the same page here. Mm -hmm.
0: Luckily, he's got a candidate that had a bit of a backbone and a bit of a, you know, conscience. And one of his candidates for school board has decided to walk from the party and announce that they're running independently.
2: Yeah, good work for Tony Dong. He put that statement out there. Unfortunately for Mr. Dong, his name will still be followed Mm -hmm. by Vancouver First on the ballot.
0: This is such a weird candidate, and I, I I wonder why he's even running. He's a very affluent former police officer, the mayor or the mayor Fred Harding, Canada, Fred not Tony Tony. Yeah, Dawn. he's a very affluent former police officer who worked in the, in the London police. He's allegedly, I've heard, I've heard from a couple of people that he's gone and gone to all candidates' debates and bragged about being the only mayoral candidate to have killed an ISIS terrorist, which is it's
1: unverifiable. I do not know what Shauna Sylvester has been up to for the past <laughs> ten years.
0: She <laughs> has been in war zones, but like. Why would you say that? And that doesn't make you qualified. He also called for bringing back the Grizzlies uh, and said that he would help build a new stadium for the Grizzlies, which, first of all, the the stadium's not the problem.
1: No, the the fact that the NBA didn't really want to have the Vancouver franchise was the problem.
0: <laughs> well, and then, then his other major campaign plank that I was able to glean from the all-candidates debate that I watched was that he wants to, to to end the practice of the city paying for public art, which, if your stance is... Subsidize the hundred million dollar basketball franchise, but don't subsidize the local artist.
1: People come to Vancouver for the Vancouver, like the Vancouver Biennale, which is our, our major public arts. I festival. refuse
0: to believe that's how it's pronounced. It. I sat through a thing with people. I on know that's board. how the, that's how the organization pronounces it. I just refuse to agree with it.
1: You know what? I'm on board.
0: I'm on board <laughs> with that. But like,
1: <laughs> pronunciation aside, the Biennale, <laughs> a fantastic tourism draw that like, brings a ton of people who are interested in art, you know, Fred Harding notwithstanding, other people are interested in art and they come and see our beautiful city and the beautiful artworks and apparently get so offended by the church that is turned upside down that a device for rooting out evil had to relocate to Calgary, of all places. But...
0: The the upside down building was weird to me.
1: But was, I don't understand. It was art. It was weird and, like, thought-provoking.
2: Well, and it would be so much easier to actually tell you what... Vancouver first stood for if their website was literally anything other than a picture of Fred Harding and a space to sign up for their updates, but of then course. no information about what their party is, what it stands for, platform.
0: So somebody has suggested to me that some of these candidates might be there specifically to try to split the right to keep the NPA out. And I tend to never agree with... I tend to never believe these things to be the case because I don't think that that kind of stuff necessarily happens. We do know it happened in... 0- well, okay. It may have happened in 05 when mysteriously a James Green ran for election against Jim Green and Sam Sullivan. But, like, there is something to be said for... so These parties are so weird. They're brand new. They fly by night. And maybe they're just there to steal votes from uh, other parties. Like, maybe there's some kind of non... Like, front, almost.
1: I don't know. I, I tend to think that municipal politics and the tendency of people to like want to form teams is more to to blame than any kind of nefarious plot. However, speaking to like the actual issue that caused Tony Dong to leave the party, like I don't particularly agree with the idea that parents have the absolute right to choose what their children think or are exposed yeah. to. They are going to live in a civic society, not a society of their parents' design. Well, you know who
2: else doesn't have the right to choose what students learn about? The Vancouver School Board. Mm -hmm. Because their job isn't to write the curriculum, it's to manage the money the province gives them. They can, you know, emphasize arts a little bit more or science a little bit more between Burnaby or Vancouver, but it's not really their place to say, we won't talk about Soji stuff, because the province has said you will talk about Soji stuff.
1: Yeah, but if they like decide we're going to talk about Soji by having this like video that looks like it was produced in 1983, but was actually produced last year, but was made to look crappy, and that is the Soji <laughs> curriculum for the year, then like the curriculum becomes an object of mockery and not something that can actually teach children to be good people.
0: So shifting gears slightly... Matthew, I I have a question for you. Uh, You've been in a lot of election campaigns. How are the emotions in the last week? Well, at least, like, for me, I enter a kind of fugue state. Uh, Do you think you would have ever, in the last week of an election, phoned up uh, somebody that tweeted bad things about your candidate and yelled at them?
1: Usually my campaign manager has uh, confiscated my phone by that point. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I can see myself having done that. But I also... Am a crazy person who uh, <laughs> wants to lose all perspective on the
0: race in the last moments. So, so Ian, do you want to give us some context here?
2: Yeah. So Neil Monckton's the campaign manager for Kennedy Stewart, and he's gotten into the like weirdest story of the election. Maybe not the weirdest. It's been a weird election, one of the more but childish but stories. It's, it's so dumb, bizarre. It's so, a dumb story. So this guy Mike Jagger, totally real name, tweets something. <laughs> mean about kennedy stewart saying he has union paid union organizers door knocking for him which is an
0: accusation that's been in the in the atmosphere and it doesn't and that's something that floats
2: around against ndp even when it's not a new funding Mm. rule it's they're all union brass blah 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 and this ties back to the vdlc is paying canvassers to go around to endorse the vdlc slate which happens to include kennedy stewart Mm mm-hmm that's all fine. Free speech, be a troll on Twitter, or say whatever you want. You don't usually then get a phone call from the organizer of Kennedy Stewart saying you to you, you need to take that tweet down. It's libelous. And then when you repeatedly say, well, but is it untrue? Because as Matthew will tell you, the truth is a pretty good defense from a libel claim. It's an absolute defense.
0: <laughs> well, and this the person also knew their law around this kind of thing very well, because they didn't accept the phone call because... Apparently, it is against the law to surreptitiously record a phone call that's initiated with you, but it is legal to surreptitiously record a phone call that you initiate. And so what this person is, they didn't answer the phone uh, when the campaign manager called. They then called back to make sure that they were initiating the call so that they could then record it. And if you want to listen to a grown man being an idiot, uh, you can listen to this, this audio recording of the Kennedy Stewart campaign manager berating and yelling at a random Guy
2: And it starts off poor enough because telling someone to take down a tweet because it's libelous doesn't look good in the first place. But then it devolves to
1: swearing. Yeah, swearing.
2: I'm not gonna fuck around anymore. Just take it down or I'm gonna have to follow up with a stronger, you know, kind of uh, approach
1: admittedly the amount of swearing that i do generally like asymptotically approaches 100 percent as election day approaches so well, that's, like that's, that's in the, the thing. final we're, week it's like 70 yeah insanity.
0: we're in the silly season where everyone is going nuts right like i've seen you know people that i you know people that i know and are and and, and have a lot of respect for in other camps really angry about the vdlc uh union stuff because the, the vdlc has people campaigning for the list and I, it's not a thing i like and i would like to a law to be changed but it's also not a thing that is against the law but like they're getting very angry and similarly on the other side kennedy stewart's team is getting very angry that people are accusing them of breaking the law
2: yeah people get in these campaigns get into a siege mentality very quickly oh, yeah. where everyone else is like an astroturf troll who's clearly out to just get them and like the sense of perspective gets lost so quickly
0: hmm Oh yeah,
1: and, and by it's, everyone, <laughs> it, it's it's maddening. And like, I I think that like viewing the election from you know our lofty perch in you know a, I guess that tree on top of a condo somewhere, <laughs> we're, we're not in an ivory tower. We're just sort of like we're in a <laughs> we high get to floor, be leaky condo. Comedic- I guess.
0: Comedically above the fray. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: we are in sixth floor in Kitsilano, which
0: does Ooh. let
1: you overlook a lot of things, but including Ken Sim's <laughs> childhood brewery bus stop. I <laughs> yes. <guess. laughs>
0: The thing for me that I take away from this is, one, the the campaign manager is fitting into a a mold, and I'll talk about that in a second, but also just that this is so, so indicative of like a late campaign. People go a little crazy and they shouldn't, and the people should be more grown up than this. But the other thing I was saying there about this fitting into a mold is that this does sort of tee into a a complaint that's already been lodged by the media with Kennedy Stewart. In 2015, during the election, they booted the media out of the room for the, the Kennedy Stewart campaign team for the party basically because it looks like Kennedy might lose and so there's this history with his team and I don't know that it's him because he seems like an affable nice guy but he seems to have some staff around him that are not media friendly
2: well and I th- think it does speak to the character of the person like well, when you, when you we, are who you surround yourself yeah with. and we when we talk to Kennedy I believe him when he talks about how he can work across the aisle because he has a proven record of do- doing that you don't mm. write a book with greens and liberals and conservatives Without at least getting along with a couple, and you don't do you pass, pass a, a bill. private
0: member's yeah. bill. Yeah. But, but it,
2: it
1: also, like, you also don't write a book or promise to work with people from all political stripes without having some kind of degree of flexibility with one's principles. Like, one of the strong criticisms that I have of, of COPE is, and generally of the further portions of the left, is that they are so committed to their principles, that they are willing to make the perfect the enemy of the good. And that is not a charge that I would comfortably level at Kennedy Stewart, who seems very comfortable doing uh, anything at any time.
0: Well, and it's also come to light now that a number of sort of fairly prominent people on Twitter, oh, prominent, but fairly known people on Twitter in Vancouver have been blocked by the Kennedy Stewart Twitter account. And it sort of really leads this question of like, like, is Kennedy going to be a mayor and you know i think it's likely that he might win is he going to be a mayor that doesn't want to hear from some people
2: i have two comments on there first van poly twitter is a cesspool and i can totally understand the motivation to yeah. block a lot that said optics matter and there's a mute button the so mute, you you I, said that didn't you? i get like, the importance are, of like yeah. the idea that he should be wanting to converse with people. And so blocking people as mayoral candidate, even muting people should be avoided. That said, when there's just a bunch of trolls who you don't even know if are all different people or are yeah. engaging in good faith debate. Yeah. If he's blocked Ken Sim. Yeah, that would be I, bad. I don't
1: know. Hector Brenner is a Russian egg. Like this yeah. is this is the kind of nonsense that this but, is. I mean, getting into. But there is a troll and, cat there. And I mean, know. like the, the,
0: I should say, like I'm still strongly, I'm still strongly considering voting for Kennedy Stewart. I don't think this changes my vote necessarily, but it does give me some pause. And I think it's not a good look in this end of the campaign to have those issues start coming forward.
1: Yeah, it's a question of temperament. I do think that it speaks to. The kind of campaign and and the kind of mayor that he would be if, if he feels comfortable allowing his communication staff to shut down parts of the conversation rather than to allow them to play out.
2: Well, one of the other dirty stories that's going on right now in the elections in Vancouver, and we talked a bit about this idea of vote fraud in Surrey with Francis Buell at our live show last week. But it turns out there's even more nefarious stuff going on as a number of vote buying schemes are appearing in Vancouver, Richmond and Burnaby, where people are on this WeChat app, which I guess is popular in some parts of the Chinese community in the lower mainland, where people are being offered money to vote for certain candidates.
1: So as a preface to this, a lot of the subtext of this is there is a a Chinese Canadian community that... People who are organizing in and we are going to try our best to talk about this sensitively. And if we say things that appear to be racist or prejudiced, it is not our intention. But Mm -hmm. it it is hard to talk about this campaign without saying directly this is a problem within a specific cultural community uh, in the region.
0: Yeah, and I think too often these stories get pushed by people who are pushing them for reasons of xenophobia or a backlash against those groups. And I think we want to avoid that because that's not, like, mm-hmm. just like you said, Matthew, that's not who we are.
1: No, but it also would not be appropriate for, or it would not be helpful to our listeners to pretend that this is happening broadly or, or generally. It is happening in a specific context. And to be like, oh, it's it's uh, a general issue is, I think, a disservice
0: Mm-hmm. so essentially these wechat messages are are offering say twenty dollars as a transportation subsidy to go vote and vote and encouraging voting for specific people and these are like real violations of electoral law like these are like and not new law not new yeah. laws. <laughs> like this is law like the law from
1: the 1920s when like corruption was
0: actively encouraged yeah like this is pretty flagrantly a violation of the law and of our or the premise of our elections right so it's it's good it's being probed and it's being looked into by the RCMP by the RCMP and so it's we'll see what comes of it I'm curious as to whether or not it's there's some sort of one-offs that are are meaningless or whether or not it seems to be a more of a a consistent thing but coming on the heels of a noted attempt to try to utilize absentee ballots in order to vote for people that aren't actually voting in Surrey uh, which we know happened with 67 ballots I think it's very concerning to, to look into
1: Well, one thing that has been quite popular on our Slack channel has been our election pool. So, one way to get, the only, in fact, way to get access to our Slack channel is to join our Patreon. Our Patreon is the thing that keeps this podcast going and does get you access to extended mayoral interviews, for example, extended council interviews, and you can join and help out the podcast at patreon.com slash cat
0: <laughs> i suppose i'm supposed to say patreon.com slash report
1: cat the cat got out
2: oh that was pretty pre-show all right patreon.com slash report
1: thank you uh um, so yes please please join us uh check out the election pool who do you think is gonna win
2: this is such a tough ballot to do so building my own ballot was hard because i looked through and i'm like there's a lot of good people with parties who are independent.
1: Yeah, but there you're only trying to figure out your own preferences and not the aggregate preferences of 600,000 people.
0: Well, and so that's that's where it comes down to, though, is it's so difficult. You know, we talked about this with, with Francis a little bit about the differences in the votes and whatnot and how these get interpreted, right? We interpreted, you know, the last election as being a, a real rebukement of vision. Uh, or rebuking vision, I guess is the more accurate English word, for the fact that the first four people on the... on the, I think the,
1: rebuke is actually... As in rebuke.
0: I'm in. But essentially what I was saying was that the top four vote-getting council candidates were uh, Adrian Carr and then the three NPA councillors. And then a vision majority. And then a, and, then, <laughs> and then a bunch of vision. But also, the other thing is that if you knocked off three or four percent of the vote that each of those NPA candidates got, they wouldn't have been elected. And more vision people would have and so you know the we read way too much into what are very close races no matter what and that's the thing is with the way our electoral system works i could see the npa winning seven seats i could also see them winning none I could see us having a conversation about how, you know, Vision and the NPA have dominated and they have four and six respectively say on council and a Kennedy Stewart mayor. So now you've got a really bizarre close race. And then I could also see us saying, you know, that none of the old, old parties, Vision and the NPA have been elected at all. And a bunch of new people are in. These are all things that could easily happen.
1: It's all like one yes green condominium it's only those parties have been elected because vancouver has gone bonkers so it, we did get a poll from
2: mario canseco who asked which of these parties would you consider voting for which there's no perfect way to poll council well,
0: but here's the thing yeah,
1: that, that <laughs> would, be, would you I, have a, do you have a couple of hours to answer <laughs> a
0: poll but yeah. but here's the thing right like if you know 34 i think it was said they were considering voting for cope It's entirely possible that every single one of them is going to put Gene Swanson on their ballot and no other Cope candidates.
1: Mm -hmm. And the same for Greens with Adrian Carr.
0: And same same thing for Greens.
1: Oh, just... Don't do
0: that, though. Um, don't but, don't but if, just vote for Adrian Carr. Don't vote for Adrian Carr at so, all. And so we know that there are going to be magnets within each party, but I don't think the NPA has much of a magnet there. So, like, it might distribute down really poorly, where they, they evenly distribute that support, and then they end up too low to get anyone elected.
1: I don't know. I think that a ton of people on the West Side are going to show up think, I don't know anything about this election. Oh, look, the NPA is running again. Tick, 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 but tick,
0: even tick. but even for NPA voters, it's extremely rare for a, a, a NPA voters to vote all of the NPA slate historically, and so. Well, you, so
2: you can go through the people they have elected. Melissa yeah. DeGenova, is running again. So think, Colleen Hardwick has run in the past and yeah, she seems to have a profile. Yeah. Lisa Dominato is coming over from school board. And Sarah yeah. Kirby Young is yeah. coming over from park board. And there's four they could take.
0: Mm-hmm. And, or those are, they could take and those one are or all two. names that are recognizable. And people tend to vote for names they recognize if they don't have a, a, a reason to like or dislike them.
1: So it, it could be like those four names, you know, because the publicity power of a park board seat is... Just overwhelming, but it's more than than not. Sarah
0: Kirby Young was the one that moved the motion that would close the warming shelters on a night that it was going to get down to minus six. All press is good press. To my mind, she's not a candidate I would vote for because she voted to kick homeless people out of warm spaces and into a minus six night.
1: I don't know that Mario's done any polling on how popular it is to let poor people freeze to death, but, you know, NPA. I guess Uh, maybe the easier race to look at is mayor where all the polling
2: seems to suggest Kennedy has it, but at the same time, there's a few other ways.
0: I really think Shauna's got a chance here and I still don't know which way I'm going to vote. I I posted my Facebook endorsements. I think all three of us have done that now and I was, I said either of them and I'm not sure which one I'm voting for, but I said before Mario's poll came out that if Mario put out a poll and Shauna was within striking distance, of second place like if she was close to, close to second place she's got a real chance because i think there's a, not, a lot of kennedy supporters that want to vote for a woman they want they, they they like her that she's got she's come across very well they don't
2: she's- want someone who's campaign manager isn't harasses it? people over
0: Yeah, right? The phone. And so it, the thing is with the it let's assume the polling is correct and that it wasn't an outlier poll. You know, if Kennedy's support drops by 5 or 6% and it goes over to Shauna, and Shauna pulls a majority of the the undecideds that do vote, well then you're neck and neck between the two of them, or at least you're getting closer
2: and Ken Sim sails to victory.
0: Well, no, because I think th- I think it's actually hard for Ken Sim to get above where he was in that poll. Uh, I don't know this. It, so I, I don't know. I think
1: that's all a question of turnout. Like this, that's, that's <laughs> a real question, right? And, and this campaign, like Kennedy Stewart's high risk, high reward,
0: one reward.
1: It's only it's only winning. Yeah, uh, there's winning and losing, and that's yeah, all you got here. Yeah. There's no there's no runner up prize. If you don't become vice mayor, but like Ken, Kennedy Stewart's high risk NDP all in strategy is one that like has i think very very tenuous foundations because if he can't pull that vote if he can't savage it to use the political insider term uh you you don't win and and i think that the ndp vote has historically been harder
0: to turn out than the mpa vote well i mean just look at every COPE election prior to 2002 <laughs>
2: Well, the other person with maybe an outside path to victory, and Charlie Smith made this argument in the straight, <laughs> it's maybe a to weak fill, <laughs> maybe to fill column space, is that Hector Bremner might have a outside path
1: to victory. Does anyone want to try to defend that position?
0: I think it's unlikely.
1: Well, conventional wisdom, uh, having spoken, I, I will try and defend it. When an outside candidate, to you know, quote the West Wing, when an outside candidate is uh, elected it's going to be by unlikely voters. Mario is using what is probably a very accurate uh, very representative based on f- previous campaigns uh, likely voter screen and if his likely voter screen fails, i.e. a bunch of voters turn out Tallahassee area that were not supposed to show up, then the map ends up way redder than usual. And, ah, sorry, Just a bunch I, of I, Pat I,
0: Buchanan voters in Boca Raton?
1: No, I've had, a, I've had a bunch of flashbacks to the 2016 election. But in this particular case, you know, the candidate who I actually ended up voting for might, might win. So if Hector's support, which appears to be concentrated in certain demographic groups who have won, typically not been high turnout groups, but are reaching an age where turnout tends to go up and to are the people who are hardest hit by the housing crisis and are being targeted by a campaign that highlights the housing crisis and possible solutions there too. Maybe Hector wins, but it requires like a perfect storm to basically assemble a fully furnished IKEA house with wind.
0: I think overall, the smart money says that Kennedy Stewart probably wins this race based on what we've seen, the evidence, the weight of support and so on. Like I say, I do think Shauna has a case to to, to make. And, you know, like you said, Matthew, is that, you know, Ken Sim is going to be working on getting out. Non-traditional, non, non- traditional or non non You Hector Bremner? No, not? both Ken Sim and Hector Bremner, I would oh. say. I have both been working on going into, say, you know, in Hector's case the Filipino community, in, in Ken Sim's case the, the the Chinese community. And, you know, the poll that that, that Mario put out was an English only online poll. And so that that does play into it.
1: It was an online panel right it was a
0: it's
2: like, yeah it's not a survey like on it wasn't the clicker no no like, no. it's not a clicker it's like a angus reed online panel i think they use the insights west pa- or he's developed from there but uh, okay okay yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. there different are different
1: qualities yeah. of polls and <laughs> yeah. i think
2: the vancouver sun had one clicker poll like just at the bottom of a story where fred harding was winning
1: oh, mm-hmm. i hate I it
0: hate was fred harding was. then way
2: young because yeah. They tweet it out and are like, "This is the most important poll
1: out there." I, I keep it's not. I keep thinking that Wei Young has gotten a hold of my email address because I have the Camby Report's email on my phone, and yeah. I, I almost have a little conniption fit.
0: Well, Wei, Wei Young's campaign has seemingly bought up a lot of cell phone numbers and they've been t- text messaging cell phones. A friend of mine got a text message. One of our Patreon subscribers mm-hmm. posted a, a screen cap as well. And I got the screen cap from my friend. Two different numbers, similar first first six digits, different last four digits. Uh, and they're text messaging people and uh, calling for them to vote. And so there are they, there is some interesting outreach occurring.
1: And, and we're not reporters, so we haven't been able to do any digging into... This in particular, but I am a little interested in seeing where all those numbers came from and whether they are being used in full conformity with the rules of the election. Oh, there was one other weird, like it was twist like, like that. Well, there was Dunbar Theater, yeah, yeah, this is, oh, yeah. One of, this that is was a Coalition a- Vancouver candidate who keeps texting people saying, you've trusted me with the leadership of the Dunbar Theatre for the past 20 (laughs) years, which I was aware was an elected position. Dear citizens, third-generation citizens of Dunbar, you know, voting in conclave for whoever runs their theatre. But, like, those lists, if you're on the Dunbar Theatre mailing list, should not be accessible to a political campaign. Like, that's not... That's not
0: well, that was what happened, right? Was that the, he used the email list of the Dunbar Theater to to recommend that they vote for him? Are we,
1: are we comfortable saying that concretely, or oh yeah, allegedly? There's,
0: no, there were well, screen oh. there's screenshots of it, and it, it was reported in uh, this. It, I believe Justin McElroy was reporting on it.
2: The other fun I saw pop up, and this again came from our Slack because our followers are very diligent at this election, is the Vancouverites for Affordable Housing Facebook page reemerged. This was the. One set up by Peter Wall's lawyer to astroturf for. Mm-hmm.
1: Are we certain that it was Peter Wall's lawyer who did the Facebook page as well?
2: I believe that was confirmed, but because... not
0: the one that was the ugly one that you're. I think you're, you're leaning into towards because there were a couple. No, yeah, of it three... wasn't the it defamatory. Wasn't... Yeah, it wasn't the defamatory one. It was one. just a pro Hector one.
2: Yeah, okay. It did call Kennedy a union bot, which Yeah, it's is, a which Kennedy... gets weird now because Peter Wall is in favor of Kennedy Stewart, but anyway, the page is back under new management i guess and has taken out random ads with kind of just a shotgun approach to just we're, i don't know we're dirtying the, the election
0: we're in the last week of the election camp this silly season t- comes in and the thing is that all these things are so low in terms of the amount of voters that they impact and so it's you know how many voters are actually going to hear about the this this stupid kennedy stewart campaign manager thing and how many of those voters are actually going to even change their minds based on it
1: If I can offer some advice to the candidates and the campaigns, British army officers don't duck. It doesn't help and the men don't like it. Campaigns are going to be shooting at you from all over the place. And frankly, a bullet or tweet is moving way too fast to make any difference to your campaign or your chances of election of any kind. And so don't respond. Don't respond. Don't get into the mud if you insist on joining in the mudslinging you're going to get covered in mud and then you end up with a bunch of dudes talking about how your campaign manager is a moron
0: for uh, yeah. like 10 minutes so i think to, to change gears ever so slightly You know, this has been such a wild election. We really wanted to do a whole bunch of things more than we got a chance to do. And the one thing that we really didn't get a chance to do at all, because we managed to get around to the other cities a little bit. We managed to hit the school board a little bit, but not as much as we wanted to. We really haven't talked about park board at all. And to be honest, there is things the park board can do that that don't involve cetaceans. Although that has been the primary, that's even news contested generator. whether
2: they can do things involving <laughs> cetaceans. Yes, it's under judicial review, except
1: uh, maybe not. No.
0: But I think I think one of the ways that I would encapsulate the, the park board is, and somebody told me this once, is that when one party gets in, they focus on flat hundred yard by forty yard rectangles, and when another party gets in, they focus on habitat island and interesting nooks and crannies to go to. Saying essentially some, there's some ways that the Sorry, park board. Sorry, could you, could you,
1: yeah, de subtext that?
0: Oh, okay, basically, <laughs> essentially that there are some, some voices at park board that want to focus on children's playing areas. And, and specifically. Who, who like, are those voices? Uh, the traditional NPA okay, right. vote vote on, on, on park uh, would focus on, you know, building a lot more, you know, soccer fields. And I don't disagree with that. Uh, And oftentimes they forget about doing things like, you know, various park facilities that would be, say, riparian areas or would be, say, uh, you know, daylighting streams or so on. Uh, And so that park board does have a place for all of that. And, you know, it is an important thing. No, it's not. (laughs) Get rid of it. Yeah, I'm having trouble with this one too.
1: <laughs> I hate that we have a park go- board. I think it's stupid. It should be run by bureaucrats. They are the best at running park. boards. Well, it boards. is. It
0: is run by bureaucrats. The park board is a is a, a, a pure policy board. So it's
1: it's an, it's like a what board that means of elect- is that oh,
0: they God. set broad policy aims and the bureaucrats a, a, a execute it. They 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 don't intervene uh, like so a, that's
1: like the description of all government.
0: No, because the council can intervene and say this property here will be rezoned in this way. Park board will say that we want our rec centers to focus on uh, expanded uh, programming for, age K to, uh, for, for the K-12 age bracket.
2: Except that's true until it's not because some of the most contentious park board events tend to be when commissioners decide to interject themselves into specific debates like mm-hmm. whether the bike path should be around Kitsilano Beach should remove a tiny bit of grass to improve everyone's lives by getting bikes off the tiniest bit of pavement that pedestrians have to go on.
1: And if that if that stirs your conscience, then please check out the candidacy of Colleen Hardwick endorsed by apparently <laughs> Patrick Condon, Paragon of leftism. Fun times well, in the election. Yep. And
0: I will say I've oftentimes been one that's critical of the Green Party in a lot of ways. Okay, all the time. But, no, you know, no, no.
1: There's so many different ways. I don't think you've been critical in every way they deserve to be criticized.
0: <laughs> but I think that uh, Green Party candidates have typically been very strong on Park Board, and I've, I've I've grown to respect them quite a bit. I think Michael Weaver was really good. Stuart McKinnon has been an excellent Park Board commissioner for his time there, and he, he's running Except for Except that re-election. time he tried
2: to ban children's balloons in parks. I found that just... I got the idea. Yeah, that was, like, that was just last The idea summer. is it's creating too much garbage, but in of all of the things creating garbage... Yeah. Kills a lot of ducks. They love eating don't, them, though. But mm. don't be the park board that comes around popping children's birthday balloons. I know mean, yeah. that's not what they're literally doing. <laughs> yeah, like that's that. fair.
0: But yeah, so you know, do take a look at park board. It is a body that exists within our government.
1: It is a body that exists. And certainly there is enough space to write abolish the park board exclamation point 15 times. Funnily enough, though, the Scantron machine that reads your ballot won't recognize what that means. Yeah, no, weir- it
0: weirdly won't. that won't have any impact at all. No, but
1: it is actually a question that I was asked today on whether it would spoil your ballot if you wrote it over the entire thing, <laughs> huh. which I'm not sure. So try and keep your abolish the park board commentary in the bubbles.
0: So...
2: I think the last thing to that we got asked about for this episode is just what happens after the election because when we started this podcast we all wanted to talk about Vancouver politics because we knew it was going to be very interesting up until the election and then we didn't know where it would go and then suddenly 80 plus people started giving us money to do it
0: and 1300 people out are listening to us which is more than we thought we were going to get to 1300 really
1: that's, that's I mean, approximately
0: our download base right now. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, and so I would say that if you would like to know uh, what what our plans are, uh, you can come out to our next live show.
1: Yes, and we have a special announcement because a special, special guest has been booked. We've confirmed? We have confirmed. And there's going to be like a super exciting thing where I get to talk about Vancouver history and, and the history of political parties uh, for a little bit. And uh, our guest is going to be the current MLA for False Creek, and former mayor of Vancouver, Sam Sullivan. And the first person who emailed us after our first episode with corrections. So, uh, the mayor... alpha and the omega of, of Cambie Report commentary. <laughs> mayor of
0: Vancouver from 2005-2008, and prior to that had been a city councillor for, I think, multiple terms.
1: Yeah, since like
0: 1990. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, I'm really fascinated to get a chance to talk to him. So
2: our event will be at Creative Coworkers, which is in Railtown on, I believe it's Alexander Street. It's on Alexander Street. So details are in the show notes, but it's CanbyReport.Eventbrite.com.
0: And it is a ticketed event. We'd like to appreciate if people wanted to toss a couple of bucks our way just because, you know, we've been putting a lot of time and effort into this and we've really enjoyed it and we've really enjoyed all the feedback we received. And
2: we'll be splitting the door and bar proceeds with the people at Creative Coworkers who are helping us co-host the space so that we don't have to pay for the space, but at least we can cover our time. Mm -hmm. And Deer City Council is... So they're the official co-host, Dear City Council. They've been running dialogues, and I haven't actually been making it out to them because I record Politicoast on the same night they've been doing it, but they've been really trying to engage people in municipal politics, and it's run out of creative co-workers. And if you've been on Twitter or Instagram following Vancouver Politics, you may have seen little Lego minifigs made of candidates. Those are made by the people at Deer City Council in Vancouver and creative co-workers. And those may be available to people who attend this event. Oh, Ooh, neat. Through like some kind of auction thing. This isn't confirmed, but that if you want to own the Hector Bremner minifig or the way young one that comes complete with a jackhammer to tear up bike lanes.
0: I keep, I keep it. Of course event. it does. Of course it does. <laughs> So yeah, come on out to come on out to it. Hear our plans for the future. Uh, hear us discuss the election and discuss sort of some of our reflections on a wild four or five months that we've just gone on for this podcast.
1: Geek it- out with Matthew and Sam and, and Patrick and Ian oh, on yeah. the history of Vancouver, how political parties have the same contours as they did in the eighteen nineties and Figure out where the fourth wave of Vancouver politics is going, if anywhere. One City, yes, and Coalition being the big contenders there. It's going to be a hell of a night. Uh, It will be suspenseful. It will be informative. We really hope to see you there.
0: And we end every podcast with our Vancouverada. And I think some of you might have been wondering who that voice was at the start of this episode.
1: So we've been using
2: this clip from BCTV to introduce our mayoral and council interview series, I believe. And BCTV is now global television because obviously it's not CTV. That would be too direct and clear and was its own minor dust up. But the intro was from a TV show called Webster which was hosted by Jack Webster, who, of course, is a Scottish-born Canadian journalist called the King of the Vancouver
0: Airwaves. I mean, to be fair, you, that is just so on point. <laughs> Webster, really fascinating show. A lot of the shows have been uploaded on YouTube by the Royal BC Museum, which is really neat. You can go back and you can watch. Jack Webster was quite the, quite the interview style. Uh, it was brusque. It was clipped, and he got right to the point. There's a really neat debate that you can find online of George Puel, Gordon Campbell, and Harry Rankin. There's another. There's a there's a handful of really great episodes. There's a Grace McCarthy episode that's really worth going back and rewatching if you're as nerdy as I am. But yeah, Jack Webster, really really big icon of Vancouver municipal history.
1: Indeed, uh, so much of an icon that uh, his name has been immortalized in an award. When Jack
2: decided to retire from broadcasting in 1986, the same year I was born, more than a thousand people attended a salute to him for his retirement, which just shows you how like big of a reach he had. And that kind of precipitated the creation of what's known as the Jack Webster Foundation to promote and honor excellence in British Columbian journalism. And it started off with the like Journalist of the Year Award, where we sort of pat each other on the back, but it's expanded to... A much broader uh, set of awards, including some categories that one local podcast may be
1: eligible for. It's us. We are eligible for it. We want you to nominate us and we want to win this award. Because we will get a cash prize and a glass statue. A
2: glass statue?
1: (laughs) I love statues.
2: So, entries for this award opened in May 2019. We'll remind you. <laughs> yeah.
1: Set a set a calendar notification. Do it now, and also go to patreon.com slash report and give us money.
2: So, yeah, Jack Webster. The other thing I found interesting about this whole story is BCTV, which is still technically around as global, set up a whole studio at Vancouver Expo 86, which the theme of it was transportation and communication. So, communication was very... Good, but they sort of let them demo how TV studios worked for people and also let them cover the expo. So you could just, like, go yeah. into the middle of the studio. But then they got rid of that branding. Like, BCTV is just such great logo. And if you go back through some of those videos Patrick was talking about, you can see the glorious 80s and 90s intros they
1: had for their logo, all, most of which involved the dogwood, the official flower well, of BC. Now I feel like I'm going to get a little emotional because, because like... The Camby Report has actually become a fairly large part of my life. I wasn't a huge civic politics nerd before, kind of stumbling. Really, into- only Patrick was. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah, and that's and fair. like while we were, we, you know, Ian and I were both members of podcasts that were like, we would like to cover municipal politics because it is interesting and there's an election coming up, but for various reasons, felt that our other podcast couldn't. Uh, in a fair-minded way and and so we we have done this thing which has blossomed into n- not only like a, a really interesting project but like a little community that I feel incredibly honored and humbled to be a part of the the connections that I've made and the the people that have participated at, like earnestly and honestly and and like with such zeal for their community has been really, really touching. And I, I feel very, very privileged to have been a part of it. So thank you for listening as we go into the ionization blackout before the election. I should say the spoiler for what
2: comes after the election is not the end of the Canby Report.
0: <laughs> i guess yeah that, that does make sense yeah
2: but we will have more content coming out before the election i recorded yep. an interview with Morgan auger this afternoon which allows us to talk a little bit more about more about school board issues and some of the soji and trans issues she's been fighting i'm going to be speaking with vision vancouver candidates diego cardona and tanya paz tomorrow afternoon and we'll hopefully get that out as fast as possible and i think i have one more interview with independent Catherine ramdeen which is a Special treat of its own that you'll get to hear from very soon. <laughs> mm-hmm. that, and I think the Michael Weeb interview. Is oh, and fun. the Michael Weeb with the yeah. Green Parties. Yes, and that's literally as much capacity as we have to produce and edit content. We,
0: we did this. We we pulled together so much for this. You know, whether it was it, arranging all the 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 mayoral interviews or getting all those candidate interviews done or editing them all. Uh, this has been a fantastic little journey.
1: I I've been really like someone sent me a message recently about like how how they like the diversity of views and, and the commentary on local politics and i i i just it's really it's really heartening to to like just see how just cut this last little bit. I,
0: <laughs> you 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 already, already, already you already cut emo- I, <laughs> I
1: already emoted. I already emoted all over the podcast earlier. Perfect. So. I know, yeah. It's been great seeing
2: both my friends share it as something they listen to but also just total strangers who None of us know who discover it and go. This is a good resource, so thank you, listeners.
1: And on that, five days get your to friends, go.
0: get your friends, family, coworkers, strangers on the street, get them to vote.
1: Just yell at them. Just yell at people on the sky train. Have you voted? Have you voted? And maybe they'll vote. And then come have a beer with us at Creative Coworkers. Yep, five days to go. We've got this, people.